When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Beginning downtown, Peckle Park, a new beginning. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby says she want to go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, they. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 219 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden, coming to you after the Padres split a four-game set with the Washington Nationals. Uh, that's definitely not what I wanted going into this series. You know, you're facing a Washington Nationals team that has double the amount of losses as wins. You have a Padres team that's supposed to be, you know, these World Series contenders, uh, and you have Especially, you know, Josh Hader coming in, who's best closer in baseball probably when we got him, or at least that was the conversation. He was one of the best relievers. You know, you get my point. And then now we're here Sunday afternoon here, Sunday night, and he's not even the Padres' closer right now. Temporarily, he's not the Padres' closer anymore, you know. Um, so disappointing series. I think a series split is not the end of the world. Uh, it's, it's better than a series loss, right, against the Nationals. Um, but we'll get into all that, all four games. Um, I know I talked about the first couple games a little bit on episode 218 because I was talking about uh, Josh Hader and him struggling and all that. Or I might have talked about Thursday. I think that I did that Friday. And I talked about Thursday's game. So we, we still can talk about all four games. Uh, and then we got an off day tomorrow and then two games against Cleveland before, I believe, heading out on the road to face Kansas City starting on Friday. So the good news for the Padres is they have two off days this week. Got an off day tomorrow. Got an off day on Thursday. 
and then three games against Kansas City. And then they head uh, to San Francisco for three games against the Giants and then another off day that Thursday. So uh, September uh, and this last week of August, it's pretty good to them in terms of off days. Now, in terms of the schedule, it's not as great to them. You know, Dodgers still, they have to play them nine times. The Mariners, Cardinals, Giants are always tough. Um, so th that's why it's disappointing that they can't win these series against the Nationals, right? Teams that they should beat, um, you know, struggled against the Marlins, right? Just stuff like that. It's like, it's kind of like last year's team, right? Where they weren't able to win those series, you know, against the Rockies earlier this year, against the Rockies on the road. Series like that where they should win and they just haven't won them. That's where it's disappointing because you got other teams um, that will win those series and will win those games. Um, as for the Brewers, before we get into these games here, just before I forget, I don't want to. Brewers did win today 5-2 to two against the Cubs, um, but the Phillies lost today. And with the Padres winning, they are now in the state jump Philly. They're second in the wild card. Um, they have the second wild card, excuse me, half game up on Philly for that second wild card spot. And then Philadelphia is a game and a half up on Milwaukee for the final wild card spot. So if you're curious about San Diego and Milwaukee's, uh, gap there, um, the Padres have a two game lead on Milwaukee right now for that final wild card spot. If that makes sense, they have the two spot, uh, the second wild card, but all that matters is them getting in right now. Right, that's what we're worried about, and so they have that two-game lead on Milwaukee for now. But Milwaukee does have that harder schedule. Cardinals, or excuse me, they're not really playing the Cardinals that much. It's Pittsburgh, it's Cincinnati, it's teams like that, and Padres again. Got to play the Dodgers nine more times. So it's uphill from here. Um, but uh, you know, going back to this week, this weekend, a series split, not the end of the world. You would have wished it was a series win. You know, those first two games, Thursday, Friday, they definitely could have won both of those games. Easily should have won probably one of those games. Um, Josh Hader just, he's not the guy right now, and that's why Bo Mel took him out of the closer role. Uh, I thought Nick Martinez and Robert Suarez, they look really good today, so props to them. Um, and we'll get to today's game, but just having some people get in here live. If you're on replay or on the podcast, I appreciate you listening and watching. Uh, what's up, Gabe, Irie? Let's see, um, Irie says he's not Frazier 2.0. I think he's talking about Josh Bell. Josh Bell having a homer in back-to-back -back games. Yesterday he was hitting as a lefty. Today it was as a righty. Kind of sliced it into the Petco uh, Park porch. Yeah, most runners left on base in baseball. Yep. They left. How many did they leave on base today? Um, They left. It says they left six on base today. They were one for three with runners in scoring position. Uh, I believe Drury got to second on that hustle double um, before Bell hit the home run in the sixth inning off of Corbin. But today, we'll talk about today's game first and then go Saturday, Friday, Thursday. Since today's game just happened, Padres won 2-1. to one. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they had Will Myers lead off in this game. I know Crony wasn't starting. Grisham wasn't starting. Uh, both had uh, pinch hit at bats. But um, I thought at first they were going to give those guys, like, you know, those double off days, you know, how they have their off day uh, the next day. So that 
game before that, they give that guy the day off to, you know, you're not missing two games. You're only missing one, but you get two days off. So some teams like to do that. Uh, so I thought that's kind of what they were doing there. Um, Cronenworth, he did ground out today. Uh, Grisham, he uh, went and played center, had an at-bat, 0 for 1. Uh, but, I mean, the big story here, well, there's two big stories, right? Uh, maybe three. Like there was, there was some really good stuff coming out of today's game. Yeah, you could talk about some missed opportunities, but mainly, uh, we'll get to a lot of the missed opportunities and the bad stuff from Thursday, Friday. What I want to focus on is more of the positive, definitely, for today's game. And uh, Josh Bell, he, he looks like he's found something. Um, his, I've said this on the pregame show a couple times. His uh, practice swing, he's really emphasizing getting down at the ball. Um, I didn't really like that. He was hitting a lot of ground balls. Today, I was like five rows behind um, home plate by the visitor's dugout, and I was noticing his practice swings. Maybe this is just what he does as a righty. We haven't seen him a lot, so this is kind of my first time just looking at this. Uh, but as a lefty, he was really chopping down at those practice swings. As a righty, it's more level or more elevated. Um, and we saw it obviously today with the home run. It was more of a line drive um, and obviously went right inside uh, the foul pole there. They'll, there, excuse me, um, kind of sliced it in there. Uh, but, you know, his swing is looking better. And uh, he went one for four today, drove in those two runs himself and Brandon Drury. Uh, yeah, he struck out once, left two guys on base. But hey, the pitching did its job. Josh ended up doing his job. You know, you come through, you drive in two runs every day. I'm going to be happy. Um, and then with the pitching, I mean, Shamanaya. Yeah. Was I worried going into today's start? Definitely. Um, you know, his last start after that start where he, there wasn't many pitches thrown at all. Uh, and if I remember correctly, he threw pretty much the same amount of pitches last start as he did today. And today he went like three more innings more. Um, but yeah, his last start, he had that tired arm. And that, that was like, that made me worried a little bit. I was like, okay, so if he has the tired arm, then why are we even starting him there? Like he knows the arm's tired. He's not pitching at his, at his best. Is Reese Kinnear a better option? Is someone else a better option? Um, then Shamanaya. Um, but... He came back, didn't throw a bullpen in between starts. At least that's what he said he was planning on not doing, is not throw that bullpen uh, in between starts. So he came back and pitched really, really well today, throwing a lot of strikes compared to Patrick Corbin. At one point, I saw Patrick Corbin had like 40 strikes, 30 balls. Shamanaya at one point, I think, had 40 strikes, 10 balls. Like It was a huge difference there between Manaya and Corbin. And Manaya, yeah, he, he's not going to blow you away with his fastball or anything. Um, but it, it's good movement on those breaking pitches. And, you know, seeing close up Manaya, like, when he's on, like, he's a good actual pitcher, right? Solid actual pitcher. Did he give up the home run to Nelson Cruz? Yeah, that ball was absolutely demolished. Hit the, uh, the E in the Western Metal building. I know there's multiple, but the E in, I believe, Metal is the one that he hit. I thought that ball was going to get on top of the roof. Um, but, yeah, he smashed that ball. But, like, other than that, I mean, he pitched to contact, got some ground balls, and then there was tremendous defense behind him, which 
You have tremendous defense. You have a guy that's throwing a lot of strikes. That's a really good combination. We saw exactly how that turns out for the Padres when that happens today. And that resulted in a win and seven strong innings from Anaya. And amazing plays by the defense. Was it the fifth inning? Hassan Kim. Is that the play of the year? One of the plays of the year? I always look back to the Cronenworth uh, play that he made when Nick Martinez was pitching against Milwaukee. Uh, up the middle. Dove got up from his feet. Threw it to first, got him out to end the inning. I look at that play like defensively. Um, there's been some others, but like Hassan Kim's today, pop up down the third baseline. I didn't think he caught it from my. I didn't have a great view because there was people standing and there was the netting there. But I thought he caught that ball, or excuse me, I thought I didn't think he caught the ball. I what I saw from my angle was Kim running. Manny was kind of he was running, but you definitely felt like Kim had the chance to get it if either of those two did have a chance to go get it. And uh, Kim, I just saw him go right into the wall. And then I just saw people just standing there and almost like shock a little bit. And so I was like, uh-oh, so is he hurt now? Like, this is bad. This is going to be bad here. You know, we already have Fernando out, out for the year. If Kim gets hurt here, this is that's going to suck. You know, Matthew or Matthew Batten or Eggy Rosario is going to be getting called up, you know. Uh, but, yeah, his back extended if you look at the pictures. But he did catch the ball. Tremendous catch. Showed the ball to the umpire. Um, man, he is a fan favorite. And then he comes up in his next at-bat. I know he got out. But then he busts it down the line and almost beats the throw. I think it was a ground out to CJ at, at a shortstop. I mean, this guy hustles. He is one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball. Padre fans already know that. And since Fernando was out with that suspension, it really feels like, at least to me, that uh, Kim is really taking on this starting shortstop role uh, really well. And he is performing really well, and he's getting higher and higher in the lineup, right? Like, he's been bottom third of the lineup, eighth in the lineup sometimes. Today, I know not all the of their starters were in, but today he was hitting sixth with Profar hitting seventh because he, he's been scuffling a little bit. Then Alfaro, Azokar. I know Grisham's usually going to be playing center, not Azokar. Um, and so maybe Grisham leads off or they have Profar go back to lead off. I wonder if they're open to having Hassan Kim lead off. Let me know in, your, uh, in the comments here live on YouTube. Let me know, or in the chat, let me know your thoughts on having Hassan Kim hit leadoff. I think that's um, something interesting because if you think about it, you have Juan Soto, a lefty, hitting second. Then you have Manny hitting third or righty. And then you can go Josh Bell. Most nights he's a lefty hitting fourth. Um, or you can have Drury, whatever. And then, you know, that's it's a pretty balanced top, you know, half of the lineup. I, I think that's something to think about. I've liked what I've seen out of Hassan Kim at the plate as of late. I don't know if the Padres believe it's the best to have Will lead off every day like he did today. But hey, a win is a win. A tremendous, uh, I thought, win from, if you're looking at it from like the big view, most aspects of this game, uh, pitching-wise, Manaya, Suarez, Martinez, they all pitch well. Um, you know, Martin or uh, excuse me, Manaya only gave up that one home run, and then 
seeing those positive signs from uh, Josh Bell mainly, right? Uh, Hassan Kim got a hit today. Profar, two hits today. Even Azokar got a hit in his first at-bat. I believe it was a single to left. So there was a lot of good things. Obviously, we'll get to the bat, and that's mostly the offense. And uh, Josh Hader, we'll get to that Thursday, Friday. But today, I thought it was a pretty encouraging win. Um, oh, here's a comment. Just saw this. Uh, so, Hassan Kim, so, you know, that play that he made, I just talked about. And it looked like his back extended, and we were kind of worried at the ballpark. Like, is he going to be okay? And... Hassan Kim said after the game, I have a six-pack. I was okay. It was no problem. So I guess it, it hit him in the abs or whatever, uh, but he was able to just go back to playing baseball because he's ripped. <laughs> um, so it looks like he took it well, so that's, all, that's good. I want to give props, too, to Shamanaya. Or I already gave props to Shamanaya. Robert Suarez and um, Nick Martinez. I mean, Robert Suarez pitched Friday. He looked good. And then today... Went an inning, didn't give up any runs, didn't walk anyone, struck out two guys. Uh, yeah, gave up two hits, but got out of that situation. I it was first and second, I believe. Uh, and then he struck out, I, I forget who it was. Um, let me go check that real quick. But it was a big strikeout, eighth inning. Joey Manessis. Yeah. So there was that stolen, Alex Call stole second. So second and third, actually, my bad. Second and third, and he struck out Joey Manessis, who actually, I think he's hitting over 300. Um, really, really good job out of Robert Suarez to get out of that inning. Um, in terms of, like, the decision by Bomel to bring in Suarez, even though Manaya was only at, what, 60, 69 pitches, 51 of them were strikes, throwing a lot of strikes, but... Got to remember his last start, he did say he had, had a tired arm. And the Padres probably got more than they expected out of Shamanaya today. They were probably expecting five or six innings, just the way that he's been pitching. Um, and they had the off day tomorrow, so if they wanted to go full bullpen, if Manaya wasn't looking great, they could have. Uh, but Manaya was looking good, and they just saw the seven innings, and they were, not, they were like, you know what, we're, we're good here. We'll go with Suarez. We'll go with Martinez. And then Martinez... Uh, his changeup up, up close looks nasty, just like it does on TV. Uh, he went uh, and got the save. His ERA is now 3-1-0, but that's starting and in the rotation. I don't have the splits right in front of me of him in the uh, excuse me him in the bullpen compared to the rotation, but I do know as a reliever his splits are lower as a reliever than as a starter. Um, so yeah, that was the win today, two to one. Padres are now. 68 and 56. Let me check some comments here. If anyone had some thoughts on today's game, and then we'll move to Saturday's game. P.A. Fruck, I think that's how he says his name. He says, I think he's talking about Bell Hill. Bell here. He's been uh, he's been a pro and successful for a while. I feel Bell could benefit from same more bend in his knees. And less of such a tall stance. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know about the stance part. Like, it feels like that's just who he's been. So I don't know if you want to mess with that. For me, it was just more about his feel uh, up at the plate. And he talked about that with reporters. I think Saturday uh, before he hit that home run uh, as a lefty. Um, 
I think it's probably just feel for him, like I just said, and more like the launch angle. Um, it just felt like he was kind of closing off a swing a little bit during this really tough one for 30 stretch. And um, felt like it, just a lot of ground balls, you know. There were some strikeouts too, and those strikeouts, it, it was kind of like he was just flipping the wrist, not fully swinging. Um, that's what I kind of observed from Bell. But hey, it looks like he has some feel back. And so that's a very, very good positive for the Padres going forward. And that's where we move to Saturday's game. Um, Padres won this one two to one. So they won today two to one, won yesterday two to one. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Morahone got the win. Garcia got the save. Juan Soto came up big with the go ahead home run. Josh Bell hit the uh, game tying home run, right? His first home run as a Padre, yeah, tied it one to one in the fifth off Josiah Gray. And Josiah Gray, man, he had a lot of walks. Let me check how many walks he finished with. Finished with five walks, only struck out three. And uh, Sweeney was saying on the broadcast, effectively wild. He he was wild. I guess he was effective, but some of that was the Padres um, taking themselves out of scoring chances or just not coming through any scoring chance. Um, they had nine left on base through the first four innings. They finished leaving 11 on base, 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. So that's part of the negative, just like Thursday and Friday with the offense. Um, but like Musgrove in this game, he pitched really, really well. And the positives, obviously, Soto coming up huge. Only a second home run as a Padre, but he continues to get on all the time. Um, did he get on? I don't, I don't think he got on today. He almost hit a bomb today. No, he did not. So his... On base streak ended today. Is that was that 25 games that it ended at? Somewhere around there. It was like 25 game on base streak, dating back to when he was with the Nationals, obviously. And he finally didn't get on base today. Uh the Nationals can I guess have that as a win today. Um, but moving back to Saturday's game, it was good to see some power, definitely like center field power from Soto. Almost hit another one today. Um that was so that would have been Two straight days where Bell and Soto homered. Uh, but Musgrove pitched really, really well. Six innings, one earned run, didn't walk anyone, struck out seven. That one home run he gave up to that no-name dude that doesn't hit home run. Lane Thomas, I think is his name. Um, I mean, what everyone's going to remember is the bare hand play. But we also got to remember that earlier in that same inning, he had that really good glove flip play, right? But that bare hand play, man, that was amazing. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but you can go look back at the video in the background. Uh, if you know Joe's family or know what they look like, you can see their reaction in the background. I think they were sitting in like the second or third row. On the If you look on the left side of the screen and you see their reaction uh, when Joe bare hands it, uh, I, I love that. Um, and their reaction when Bell hit that home run too. Just They're real Padre fans, and you just absolutely love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. Uh, and then Morahone, two innings, didn't give up any runs. Luis Garcia came in, didn't give up any runs. I don't know. Great is not the word to describe how Luis Garcia was last night. 
I think it was first and second, and Brandon Jury. Part of it was Brandon Jury. I guess part of it was the Nationals, but I'll give more credit to Brandon Jury uh, on that last play, the double play there. I think it was one six five double play, or not one, excuse me, three six five double play. Jury got it. Kim tagged second. Kim threw it to Manny. Manny chased down the runner to end the game. Heads up play by the defense there. Um, wasn't the best. Was not the best win. I think today was a better win than yesterday's win. But again, a win is a win, and I'm going to take that. Just am. At this point, not having a, you know, what do you call it? Not having a uh, permanent, there we go, not having a permanent closer and leaving on, all these guys on base, Josh Bell finally getting going here. Um, I'll, I'll take a win whenever we can get it. And hopefully they can win both these games of this Guardian series because uh, you would have hoped that they could have swept this series because Thursday, Friday, in which, which we'll get to here in a minute, both games were tied. And Hayter came in and uh, weren't, wasn't able to get it out of either of those. You know, Bob gave him both chances and he wasn't able to get out of them. Um, but yeah, Saturday's game, if they would have come through, just imagine what the score would have been if they would have come through there in some of those situations where they had all of those guys on base there in those first four innings where they left nine of them on base, you know? And Joe was pitching well. Uh, it was one nothing at, at one point and he was making those bare hand plays and all that, uh, you know, the glove flip, get, getting the runner at home, that was huge, like I talked about a little bit earlier. It could have been, what, like 3-4-1 there at that point? And then Bell and Soto's home runs, they would have been great, but they wouldn't have been, you know, the difference. Um, so, yeah, the offense definitely needs to improve. It could have been better in this series, and it wasn't. But, hey, like I said earlier, a series split isn't as bad as, you know, obviously a series loss. Now, I know it's a series split against the worst team in baseball, and you definitely wish they would have won this series, but hey, it is what it is, you know. Um, moving on to Friday's game. Man, that was, or let's talk about Thursday's game first because I think it's important to lay out the events of Hayter and what led to Friday and how bad he was Friday as well and the fans booing him off the field and all that. So let's talk about Thursday's game first. Uh, I know I'm skipping around here. I already talked about Sunday, then uh, Saturday. Now Thursday's game. Padres lost this one 3-1. to one. I mean, you Darvish pitched amazing. Pitched into the ninth inning, eight and a third. Uh, gave up three earned runs, but Hayter gave up those two runs at the end there. Game was tied at one when Hayter came in. None of those runs were charged against him, but... Just the walks when he came in, the hit-by-pitches, hitting Voight. I mean, he was making Voight look bad there with the fastball and all that, and then bounces one and hits Voight. It's like, man, just stay around the plate. Attack the plate. Don't nibble. I said that on the last episode after Thursday's game on Friday morning when I had to just give my thoughts on Hater because I was tired of it, you know, uh, of just seeing that. And then Friday, obviously, didn't know that was coming, right? But yeah, Thursday's game, man, it was not pretty at the end there. It was pretty watching you Darvish pitch, though. He had it working. It was like it was better than Manaya, um, I think. But like he was like like what 
70 pitches or something through, I want to say, like, seven innings or something. He hit 70 pitches in the seventh inning or something. I remember seeing that on the Jumbotron there when I was at the game. Like, he was crazy, crazy efficient. Uh, yeah, offense, left eight on base, 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. The night obviously belonged to you, Darvish. He deserved to win that game. Having bases loaded, one out, and you have Soto and Grisham both strike out. Grisham struck out first, and then Soto come up, and he's like swinging for the fences. Like, I'm not going to get on Soto because I know he knows what he's doing, but just watching it, it looked like he was swinging for the fences and he wasn't staying totally within his approach. But if you're up there with the bases loaded and it's a fastball up, like, it's going to look like you're swinging for the fences. That's just the way it is. So I'm not going to get on him too much. Um, but it was frustrating. Like, the strikeouts were definitely frustrating. How many did they have in this game? They had eight strikeouts total on uh, Thursday. Left 14 on uh, – left four, or they left eight on base. But um, they had 14 at-bats, I believe, with guys on base. Um, yeah, Hader – Man, I'm going to go through the play-by-play -play here for Hater for Thursday's game. It was ugly. I mean, single, or excuse me, that was when Darvish was pitching. Darvish gave up those two runners. Yeah, you could ask, should have Darvish still stayed in that game? He was at 96 pitches, and maybe Hater should have come back. Or, excuse me, Hater shouldn't have come into that game. I know some people were making that point. It's like, he hasn't pitched in nine days. It's a tie game, high leverage situation. Bring in someone else. Bring in Garcia. Bring in someone else. Why are you pitching Hater when he's, you know, he's, he just hasn't pitched in those high leverage situations in a while? That's not when you pitch him. You give him a clean inning, blah, 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 right? I don't really agree with that. Like, like Bomo said after the game, they brought Josh Hader in for a reason to pitch in these high leverage situations. And so you got to trust the guy. Uh, I know Darvish was pissed off coming into the dugout when Bomel took him out, but hey, he, he, did, he did his job. He went 96 pitches. He did his job. Bomel gave him those couple base runners, and then he said he was done. Josh Hader just needs to pitch better. He needed to pitch better on Thursday. He didn't. He needed to pitch better on Friday. He definitely didn't. Um, maybe you could say he pitched better on Friday, uh, but he obviously screwed it up himself by making that bad throw going to right field and all that. We'll talk about that, but Here's the sequence from Hader on Thursday. I mean, comes in. Again, he, it was a good at-bat, I, I thought. Um, he was pitching Luke Voigt well. Voigt wasn't catching up to his fastball. And then he hits him. And then he walks Nelson Cruz fastball in. I believe that was the pitch. That brings in Cesar Hernandez uh, to give the Nationals the lead. And then he gives up an absolute bullet to left field. I was sitting in left field. Gave up an absolute bullet. Uh, well, will that will uh, caught there and left. Alex Call scored. So yeah, giving up bullets, walks, hit by pitches. It was ugly, and that came after having that really bad Giants performance, which feels like months ago. Uh, when it was back at home, Padres ended up winning that game. Manny walked it off with the home run, so I guess he got saved there. Um, but he wasn't able to get a save in this series at all. I know both situations were tie games, so. So he wasn't able to get a win in this series, but that's his fault. He just has to pitch better. Bottom line, has to pitch better. Hit by pitch, walk, line set, liner sack fly. That single Abrams, he couldn't do anything about that. It was a lazy ground ball to second. 
but then he, it was another line out by Lane Thomas to Will. Um, so just a lot of hard contact, pitches over the middle of the plate, uh, or when it's not over the middle of the plate, it, it looks like he's nibbling um, and, and trying to be absolutely perfect. And for me, like I said in episode 218, it, it's just like, for me, attack the zone, man. You got 99, attack the zone, attack the zone sometimes with the breaking ball. Uh, maybe get a, a backdoor breaking ball and see how that goes. Um, like, I'd rather see him lose attacking the strike zone and giving up a home run Friday. Like, I'd rather see that. I'd rather not see him throw it away into right field like he did on Friday. But my point is, giving up that home run to Joey Manessis, like, yeah, that's not a great look, right? He gets booed off the field. But I'd rather have that happen than, uh, you know, him walking and hitting guys because those are free passes. You're not making them beat you, right? Manessis has to put a good swing on it and connect uh, to hit that home run off of him on Friday. Boyd didn't have to do anything. He got hit. Um, Nelson Cruz. Yeah, he probably fouled off a couple of pitches in that bat, but he got walked. You know, he didn't have to do anything. It's a free pass. That's what you know makes me mad. Um, is the free passes and Josh Hader was taken out of the closer role after Friday's game, which is what we're going to get to right now. Uh, and um, he should be out of that role right now. He needs to go find it. He was talking about how his release his release point is more working east to west instead of north to south uh, on the mound. And what he means by that is his release point, it's just too, it's probably too low. That's, that's my guess. He's not working over the top of it too much. I know he's a rotational guy uh, if you watch him pitch, obviously. Um, and so he's really rotating. So it can, I assume if you're rotating that much, uh, and it does feel like he's kind of throwing across his body a lot. When you're doing that, I'm sure it's pretty easy to get into that habit where you're, you know, your release point isn't over the top. It's more east to west. And so that's what he said to the media, uh, what his kind of problem is. He's going to be working with that. Don't know how many appearances it's going to take for him to get back into that closer role. Two, maybe three. We'll see. That's what Bowmel was saying before yesterday's game. But uh, I'm glad that he's not in the closer role right now. I, I still trust him long term, but right now I don't trust him. He got two chances in this series, including Friday right here, and he uh, blew them. And talking about Friday's game, by the way, it was a great atmosphere on Friday. Uh, really, really fun game to go to. Um, great atmosphere. But the ending, I mean, that, that ending just sucked. There were some times where Padres left guys on base, but like Manny came through with a huge double. Uh, to right center field. They left seven on base, two for eight with runners in scoring position. That's better than some of the games in this series. Uh, they benefited a little bit off the Abrams error. I'm just trying to look over some stuff before we get to Hader because Hader's obviously the story. Uh, Snell, five innings, three earned runs. And Snell, I'm not going to get on Snell at all. He, he, went, he got into that kind of car accident Thursday night. I think coming, he's probably driving home uh, on Thursday. He had his brother, I think, in the car, and he was pulled over, and a drunk driver uh, hit, I think, the police car. And so he was kind of involved there in an accident, and I'm just glad he's okay. I'm glad his brother's okay. Uh, and so I was fine with the quotes after the game. Maybe it'll rub people the wrong way. Hey, you got to care more. But 
he does care. If you've seen it this year, he does care. Um, it's just, it, it was a weird situation there, obviously, right? Like, day after the accident, now he's pitching. He's just happy to be there and, and be okay. And he was just going to see how it went. And he gave up three earned runs. Command uh, wasn't as great, you know, as the start went on. But, hey, I, I'm not going to get on him. Five innings, three runs. And the bullpen pitched well, except Hader leading up to Hader. So he, he did kind of set up the team well, giving up three runs. That's not the end of the world, I don't think. Sorry, one second. Need to block this person. Sorry. Yep, I see that. Spam, my bad. Well, it's their bad, but I'm just blocking that real quick. What was I talking about? Um, the bullpen. Yeah, Hill, no runs. Suarez, no runs. Again, I thought he looked good in this series. Uh, I know he gave up a couple base runners today, or allowed a couple base runners. But Friday, 99, movement on his pitches. From where I was sitting, I thought he looked good. Martinez didn't give up any runs. Um, Garcia came in after Hader to finish off that ninth inning because Hader didn't get any outs. So these last three appearances, Hader's gotten four outs. So just really, really bad. Uh, so the bullpen outside of Hader pitched well. Hader's obviously the story. And uh, holy cow, just bad. I was down in the by the. I was down in the Premier Club seats uh, near the end, moved down there with some friends, and uh, wow, that, that sucked to watch. I mean, he comes in, and it's kind of like you're holding your breath. Like, man, um, let's hope that he can throw some strikes. And we were watching him warm up. My friends and I was like, oh, okay. He just spiked one in the dirt during warm-ups. Like, this isn't going to look good. And then that's exactly what happened. It, it didn't look good. Um, I'll, I'll go. I went through the play-by-play -play for Thursday, so might as well go through every play that Hater had on um, Friday. Don't want to miss anything. Walks Robles to start it. Gives up the single. Or excuse me, wasn't. I don't know why they really called it a single. To be honest, like that was all on Hater. It was a weak ground ball, so I guess it was a good pitch there where Thomas just missed it. Uh, but walking, number one, walking Robles to start it off, that's not great. He's more of a bottom-of-the-order hitter. You walk him, and guess what? That free pass ends up scoring. And and Hader, that play, that dribbler that he went and got, like, what is he doing there? Slow down. If you don't get the runner, you don't get the runner. But he comes, gets the ball, and it's like he keeps his momentum going towards the Padres' dugout and throws this, like, two-seamer past Josh Bell where Bell had, like, no chance to get it. Um, I don't remember if he was trying to stay on the bag. I think he was. But he has no chance to get it. Then it hits off the wall, goes into right field, gets past Soto because he was running to try to go get the ball, didn't know it was going to rebound off the wall. He dives, gets past him, uh, and a run scores there. Just really, really bad play. And that kind of summed up, or kind of sums up Josh Hader uh, these last couple games. Like that play. That play was what? Not pretty? That's what Jader's, or Jader, that's what Josh Hader's been right now so far these last few games. Not pretty. 
And so hopefully he finds that release point, works on his mechanics, because it was ugly. Gave up the home run uh, to Alex Call. Did I? If I said Joey Manessis at the beginning, I apologize. It was not him. For some reason, I thought it was Manessis. Manessis has been hitting well. He's hit well against the Padres. I know he did in Washington, definitely. Uh, it was Alex Call who hit that home run to left. It got out in a hurry. Middle, middle is what I saw from my seat. Um, and it got out fast in left field. And uh, that made it 6-3 Washington. Padres didn't score any runs in the ninth. A lot of pitches that they just didn't swing at um, that were fastballs like down the middle it felt like. Uh, or fastballs, 3-1 count, didn't swing at it. Those are frustrating. It's like they're trying to get you. They're like giving you good pitches to hit here and you're not taking advantage of it, you know? Um, there's some guys I guess I can point out that do that, but it's more of like a collective effort. Like Soto and Manny, those are two guys that I trust um, to swing at first pitch or, or not swing at the first pitch because I feel like they have a really good plan of what they're doing. I'm not saying other guys don't, but just based on track record, I, I feel like I can trust them. Crony, I feel like I can usually trust him with that, but I will admit there's been some pitches where it's fastball, middle, in, and maybe he doesn't like that pitch first pitch. But the pull side is where he has his power, and he's watched a lot of those just from the eye test recently. Um, obviously, the one in Miami, I know that he wasn't ahead in the count there, but he got frozen there, fastball in. Uh, stuff like that, just fastballs, just letting them go by. I know Grisham likes to do that a lot. Uh, there's some, I think Profar has done that a little bit uh, recently. There's a lot of guys that do it. Uh, I don't want to single out one guy. Uh, it's most of the lineup. So hopefully they can be more aggressive the rest of this year. Uh, I'm not saying be overly aggressive or swing at balls on the first pitch, but if you get a fastball, first pitch, go attack it. You know, if it's where you want it. If it's uh, a 3-1 count and you get a fastball in the strike zone, go attack it, you know? Odds are the umpire's going to call it a strike, right? Um, Hassan Kim a lot, it feels like this year, he starts walking to first base or whatever, and he gets called back when there's three balls and it's a strike. Um, again, I don't want to single out guys. I guess I am singling out guys, my bad. Um, but that that's kind of frustrating for me. But yeah, Josh Hader, obviously, that was disappointing. Um, Thursday, Friday, that absolutely sucked. Watching him pitch there at the end, just hitting guys, walking guys, throwing balls in the right field, um, giving up home runs or a home run. Um, and then you go back to that Giants game where he didn't have command either. And uh, I believe Tim Hill had to come in after him and push it to the bottom of the ninth with a tie game. They had a 4-1 lead, I believe, in that Giants game. I was at that game. That was painful. Maybe it's me. Maybe when I've, whenever I go and Josh Hader comes in, he's trash. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it hasn't been pretty. He didn't pitch today, and I went. So, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, not, not pretty. Not pretty at all. If you have any thoughts on Hader, have any thoughts about the Padres this series in general, let me know. Uh, the Padres, again, if you're just tuning in here, they are now 68-56. and 56. Nine hits today, seven hits for the Nationals. They won 2-1 to one today, won 2-1 to one yesterday, lost Thursday and Friday. They have an off day tomorrow. They got the Cleveland series coming up Tuesday and Wednesday at Petco. 
Clevenger's scheduled to throw Tuesday. Uh, TBD on Wednesday. Cal Quantrill, former Padres, supposed to throw Wednesday for Cleveland. Uh, Aaron Savali is scheduled to throw against Clev on Tuesday at 6.40. Clev um, facing his former team. Austin Hedges making his return to Petco Park. Who's going to boo him? Let me know in the chat. Who's going to boo Austin Hedges when he comes up to the plate? Because that guy, man. Um, he was good defensively. But uh, he could not hit. I know we've had a lot of guys that can't hit, but, um, you know, as a catcher. But it, it was frustrating. A lot of strikeouts. You know, the high leg kick, striking out. It, man, that was tiring watching him. You know, 17, 18, 16 even, 19. Holy cow. Um, all right, let's get to some chat here. Um. I've already read some of these, so I'm just trying to go down here. JD's third asks, does the lack of overall offense against the Nats and the worst pitching staff offense in Major League Baseball concern you at all? Five and five against the Nats and the Marlins. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, yeah, the offense has not been great. Does it concern me? Yeah, a little bit. Um, concerns me. What mainly concerns me more is like, because I saw what happened in that Dodger series at Dodger Stadium where they lost three out of four, right? No, no, or did they get, they got swept, right? Um, whatever it was. Sorry, my, I'm just getting serious, totally confused right now. Um, but yeah, it was not great at all. Um, I believe they got swept, that Dodger series, um, the last one that they played at Dodger Stadium. I'm more worried like that because I know those are teams, we're going to have nine games against them coming up. Dustin May, I believe, is coming back. That's what I'm more concerned about, not the offense against the Nationals and Marlins because they're not playing them anymore. Uh, but, yeah, I get your point. Like, they should be playing better against bad teams. They definitely should be. I agree with that. Um, so, look, I've said this multiple times. You know, Josh Bell with these two home runs these last couple of days, they just got to play better. The, the players that they got at the trade deadline, they just got to play better. Josh Bell's got to get – he's got to be more consistent at the plate. Got to show that power, right? Brandon Jury, I like what I've seen from him some of the time. I'd like to be, I'd like him to be more consistent. Um, Josh Hader, obviously, two games Thursday, Friday, where they had a really good opportunity to win. On Thursday, he had the bases loaded there, didn't come through, and obviously Josh Hader sucking Thursday and Friday, losing the games there. Um, the people that they got back at the trade deadline, excluding Juan Soto, they have to be better, more consistently. You like Profar to get back to the guy that he was being earlier this year. Uh, Crony to be more consistent. Uh, Trent Grisham, I had a tweet out before Saturday's game. He's gotten on base nine of the last ten games. Um, when he didn't get on on Friday, that wasn't great. Obviously, that was when he struck out bases loaded there. Um, he didn't get on at all in the rest of that game. On, uh, on not, Was it Friday? No, uh, Thursday, sorry. Uh, but He's, I think he's been doing pretty good. I like what I've seen. He's kind of like a second-half guy, it feels like, with him and Snell. Just guys need to be more consistent. That's all it is. Um, much easier said than done. I understand that. But I'm still confident in this team that guys can definitely turn it around. And if, if Manny and Soto are going to be producing consistently like it feels like they will be the rest of the year, and then you add in Drury and Bell and Crony and guys like that that do produce, 
like we know they can, then the offense is going to look a lot better. Yeah, Luke, yeah. Irie says here, Luke, you want to face the Padres? Nah, my back hurts. <laughs> was it his back? I don't know what injury it was. But, uh, yeah, he played Thursday. And then I think he got scratched, right? Friday, Saturday, and today. Wasn't in the lineup. I looked Friday before, as I was going to the game, and I saw Luke in the lineup in, on MLB on the MLB app. And then I looked later, and he wasn't in the lineup. So, yeah, must have got scratched there. Oh, wow, I did not know this. JD's third says Sandy gave up six runs in four innings today. If we can't sweep the Nets, uh, what are our chances? What are our chances at what? At winning a World Series? I don't think they have the best chances at winning the World Series. I'd be probably stupid to say that. I'd definitely be biased trying to say that uh, and being too optimistic. Um, I think the Mets are probably a better team right now. Dodgers. Uh, I know the Astros have looked good, but I'm more focused on the National League teams. Uh, the Braves look pretty good. Um, but look, this is one series. Like, what matters is they get into the postseason, and then they get hot at the end of the regular season against the Giants and the White Sox, those last two series of the season, right? That's kind of what matters, and obviously the games they play against the Dodgers matter, right? At least for, for our... Um, I don't know, our mental health or whatever, or our sense of security or our, the fans' confidence, right? Uh, if they can play better against the Dodgers these next nine games that they play against them the rest of the way, uh, I think we'll feel better about our chances to go far. Yeah, like I said earlier, JD's third eight, I know that it's not a good look. I said it at the top. I think they should have won this series. Um a series split is disappointing, but a series split's better than a series loss. And there's still, what, a month and a couple weeks left in the year for the offense to get going and two guys find it out, for, or, and four guys to find it out, you know? Yeah, Padres are going to break the record this season for most runners left on base, someone else says here. I don't know if that's true, uh, but yeah, I know they, I think they lead the league by like 40 or 50 runners on base. At least that's the graphic I saw on uh, Bally yesterday during the game. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of runners. It's a lot of runners. Um, yeah, I mean, today, I want to, let's see how many runners they left on base this series. Five today. Or excuse me, that was the wrong team, I think. Hold on one second. Let me go back to the today's game. Six today. Eleven yesterday, so 17. Uh, 24. The last three games. And then... 24 plus 8, 32. 32, at least from what I just counted there, 32 guys the Padres left on base in, in this series. I know it was four games, wasn't three, but that's eight left on base a game. That's that's pretty bad. So, yeah, I agree. I know the offense needs to be better. I guess I'm just more optimistic than some of you guys. 
Uh, getting back to the Josh Hader point, Irie says here, Hader's just burnt. Hope Niebla can fix him. Um, it feels like he knows what's going wrong. Like he even said it to reporters. So I'm confident about that. It was kind of like Joe Musgrove earlier this year, right? Where he was struggling, but he told reporters, hey, I know what's happening here. My delivery is just inconsistent. Um, we're going to fix it. And it looks like he has. He's been pitching much better the last few starts. And with Hader, kind of like his release point, he's working east to west instead of uh, north-south. So it feels like he knows what's going on here. And so I'm confident that he, he'll be able to get it fixed. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm confident that he will get it fixed at some point. Um, and this whole stuff about Brewers knowing that Hader was cooked, uh, they're awesome at developing pitchers. I mean, it's much easier for them to trade Hader when they have Devin Williams as their closer, right? The Padres, when they acquired Hader, he was going to be their closer easily. Like, they didn't have... They traded Rodgers. Rodgers, because Rodgers was really struggling. They didn't believe in him. He's not a high-velocity guy. Hader has that high-velocity. I think he can touch 99. Um, and when he's on, he's arguably the best closer in baseball. So, from the Padres' point of view, they were getting so, they were getting an upgrade. From the Brewers' point of view, they were saying, hey, we have Devin Williams as our closer. We can go get back Estero Ruiz and I know Lamette, they just DFA'd him, I think, uh, right when they got him. But they can get back Robert Gasser, who's probably going to be a good reliever for him, for them, right? Um, and they probably looked at it as like, yeah, we can say this to our fan base. We still have Devin Williams here. Um, we still have a good roster. I, I don't think that Brewers fans would be telling the truth to themselves if they thought even with Hater they'd be a World Series team, World Series contender. I just don't think so. With the National League's very, very talented this year, um, they might not make the playoffs, right? I think they were behind the Padres when they traded Hater. So it wasn't going to be guaranteed that they would have made the playoffs. So in terms of that trade, like it's very early to even judge that trade, obviously. And there's some guy we're not going to know fully about that trade for the next until 2024 or whatever, 2025, when Ruiz and Gasser are up for them. Uh, but for the Padres, I understand it. And I think haters, I don't think he's cooked. I don't think the Brewers thought he was cooked. I think they saw that they have Devin Williams in the bullpen, to be honest. And from judging from like the Brewers clubhouse and guys um, like Christian Yelich and other people in that clubhouse when they were speaking to the media after that trade deadline, they wanted Hader to stay, obviously. So I don't think they thought Hader was cooked either. Uh, this is a good point by L2 here. Thought it was widely known that Hader's wife is going through a very rough patch with her pregnancy, his head. And harder not on the field. The guy's justifiably distracted. Why analyze him? I think they've already had a kid. I I, I don't know. I, I don't follow their personal life closely. Um, but yeah, it's a good point. Um, I would think when you're on the mound, your head's totally in it. But yeah, um, he he could be distracted. Yeah, and that's a valid point. I'm definitely not going to bash that point or anything. Um, but in terms of your question about why analyze him, well, because that's kind of our jobs. People that talk about baseball, talk about the Padres, that's just what we do. Um, we don't know everyone's personal lives. Uh, I'm sure a lot of fans don't know his personal life or anything. 
So what we're judging is on the field because we care about the Padres trying to win games here and we want the Padres to win games. And on Thursday and Friday, uh, he prevented the Padres from having a chance to go win that game because he blew it in a tie game. You know, you Darvish pitched really well and Hader blew it. Um, on Friday, Hader blew it. You know, we're just judging on the field. So it's nothing, I want to make this clear, at least from my point of view, it's definitely nothing personal against him. Um, we're just judging on the field. We're judging that, hey, this was supposed to be, you know, the best closer, one of the best closers in baseball when we acquired him. And it feels like almost every player that comes to the Padres, whenever they do, they aren't that player anymore, you know? So um, that's where it, it's coming from. And we're, we're analyzing him because we care about the team on the field. That's just, that would be my answer to that. Oh, Gabe might be the bad sign here. He says he's gone to five games this season and they've lost all five. All right, well, maybe don't go to more. No, I'm kidding. Go to games. It's been a great atmosphere. Crowd showing up. Sorry, we got another spammer in here. Got to block that. Okay. Um, Turbo says, give Hater another try with a big lead or a blowout or give him the seventh. Yeah, well, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, you're spot on. I think they're, the next time that Hater comes in, it's going to be in a low leverage situation. It's not going to be um, a tie game. You know, I thought I said after Thursday's game that um, I thought Hater should have gotten another chance on Friday if it was a high leverage situation. Uh, just because he's your guy, you got to go to him, have trust in him. Bomel did that. He he did exactly that. Gave him that another another chance. And he blew it. That's that's on Hater. And Melvin did the right thing, and now he's not the closer, at least temporarily. And PA Fruck here says, I don't think anyone will boo him. I think you're talking about Hater. No, people booed him on Friday night. I was there on field level, sitting there in the Premier Club. Yeah, he got booed. <laughs> Rightfully so. He just he stunk Thursday and Friday. What else do you want me to say? No, he got booed off the field. I think he deserves to. Like, this team has, you know, these World Series aspirations, you know? And so, when you have World Series aspirations, you're and you're just trying to get to the postseason, uh, and this guy's coming in and blowing games, games that you have chances of winning, the fans are going to be really frustrated. And again, rightfully so. They definitely have that right. Turbo asks, when is hitting going to be con contagious? <laughs> I wish it was. Um, it feels like it is when the offense is going right, but it's really more like on an individual basis. Like, it's not, I don't know what other sport to compare it to, but like some guys, it's on matchups. There's some guys that see a pitcher really, really well, and then there's some teammates that that same guy will go talk to and say, hey, dude, I can't help you out here. I don't see this guy well at all. You know, or he, they're going to that teammate and saying, hey, I don't see this guy good at all. Can you help me out here? And the guy that sees that pitcher well, he's probably like, I'm seeing the ball and hitting the ball. I'm looking out of the ball. You know, the ball comes out of the, his hands early, but maybe that hitter doesn't see that. Or maybe 
it's a lefty that's seeing him well and a righty's not like it is kind of based on matchups like i wish it was contagious but that's not really how baseball is thank you for the super chat jd's third by the way if you want to support the channel like jd's third just did you can use that super chat button on regular videos you can use the super thanks button uh, if you want to support the channel just daily padres content here on the talking friars youtube channel and uh the episode series reactions interviews uh, sometimes episodes talking about other padres topics during the week as well uh on the pod it's available on the podcast platforms as well apple Podcasts, spotify all that all that stuff i appreciate everyone's support uh even if you don't support the channel like financially uh i appreciate you being here just talking padres keep believing yeah jd sorry i didn't read that comment yeah keep the faith I have the I still have faith in this team. Uh yeah, the offense hasn't been great. It um a lot of a lot of guys left on base. What I say 32, I think I said earlier in this episode, 32 guys left on base this weekend. Not great. Um uh, but there's a lot of talent in this lineup. I still believe Josh Hader will turn it around cuz he he's identified the problem at least, right? Um so that's a positive. I'm trying to look at the positives here sometimes. Randall asks, does he have, he has a question here. Did the Padres get a new closer? Uh, it's closer by committee. They had Garcia yesterday. They had Nick Martinez today. I thought he looked really good. Um, it's closer by committee to answer that question, Randall. It could be Chris Matt. It could be, I don't know if it would be Tim Hill, but uh, Robert Suarez, I thought he looked good this weekend. Could be him at some point. It's going to be uh, closer by committee. All right, so I think that's going to do it. Padres, Guardians on Tuesday, Wednesday. Got the off day on Monday, tomorrow. This has been episode 219, Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show, brought to you by Gaglion Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. You can visit gaglionbros.com to view their entire menu, the uh, Friars Road address. Uh, they're located inside Petco Park, and I believe they're going to be inside Snapdrag Snapdragon Stadium as well, starting on September. September 3rd, uh, when San Diego State has their first home football game. September 17th, when the San Diego Wave uh, host uh, LAFC, their first, or Angel City FC, sorry, uh, their first women's soccer game. So there's multiple locations that you can have great cheesesteaks and garlic fries. So I encourage you to check them out if you have not already. If you haven't, you're missing out. Um, but yeah, Ben Fan signing off here. Hopefully you guys enjoy your Sunday night. That'll do it. Thank you guys for tuning in. Go Padres, keep the faith. And I'll see you guys later.